Welcome to the I'm Excited About podcast. This week, my guest is Kim Parachi. Starting small is how things grow and build momentum and change. Starting with individuals like Kim Parachi and growing to changes within cities, states, nationally, and finally, globally. Kim Parachi retired last year to work full-time to solve the climate crisis. She is a homemaker, turned jewelry appraiser, turned climate activist. She trained with Al Gore twice, the first time in October 2017, then recently in August in Minneapolis. Her mission is to work with others to stop the climate crisis. Kim is honored to serve on the Orange County Commission for the Environment and the Orange County Planning Board. She feels that her most important work is Chair of Climate Reality, Orange County Chapter, and speaking to others about the climate crisis. I saw Kim give a presentation last month at the Monthly Climate Reality Project, Orange County, North Carolina Chapter, at the Chapel Hill Public Library, and I was very impressed and hopeful, um, more than I ever have been before, about the climate crisis. And so today, uh, we talk about solutions to the climate reality. Welcome, Kim, to being on the podcast. Thank you, Rachel. And so what are you excited to talk about today with us? Well, I'm excited to share some climate solutions, things that people don't know maybe they can do to help stop climate change. That sounds awesome and something that I'm excited about learning. So perfect. And and first of all, I'm curious of like, how did you get into this movement? What was the things that led you to it? And how did you get started? And I always lived close to the earth. My father had me outside gardening when I was probably two, laying down corn seeds while he, he hoed a ditch. Mm-hmm. And, and I've just always felt close to the earth. And so... I came of age and we got the Green New, well, no, coming of age, we got the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act and the EPA and everything seemed great. And I feel like I've always known about climate change. I feel like I learned about climate change in high school. And maybe it was one of those books, The Population Explosion. There were a couple books that came out in the early 70s and I think they mentioned it but somehow I feel like I've never not known about climate change but I was always waiting for the government to do something about it and then 2016 happened and the election happened and I realized that the government wasn't going to do anything and so I had to and I feel like a lot of people felt the same way because there's just been this huge movement of people getting together and and acting to stop the crisis and so it took me a year or two to decide I retired my business I was a jewelry appraiser Mm. and I'd been reading books and taking classes and listening to podcasts and reading more and listening more and learning all I could about climate change but with an emphasis on the solutions And so here I am today, kind of trying to work, do what I can to stop the crisis. 
Yeah, I just read this morning, actually, when I was looking up some stuff that scientists knew or had seen in the 1950s about the global warming and that we were causing it. So it's not like a new thing that, that we've had warning for a while. Yeah. Do you want to hear a little bit of history on that? Yeah, absolutely. I've lost the name of the person, but a scientist early in the 1800s discovered that some gases, and at that time the two were carbon dioxide and water vapor, um, heat up the atmosphere more than some other gases. And there's all through the 1800s, well, not all through, but there was research. John Tyndall is the scientist in 1859 and 1861 credited with predicting global warming. 1861 it was wow. predicted. And you can find old, old news articles written about climate change from 1910 and all the way up. It was in the 1950s that they started system systematically taking temperatures of the ocean and the atmosphere all over the world. The science has been well understood at least since the 1970s. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Even longer than I had thought if they're in the 1800s yeah. aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, you sh I came to your um, presentation at the library that you had last month. There's a meeting every month at the library. Yes, uh-huh. Climate Reality has monthly meetings. It's usually the first or second Saturday of the month at 10.30, depending on when we can get a room. Mm -hmm. And we feature a speaker and discussion. And then sometimes we hold some business, voting mm -hmm. on a new campaign, something we want to be involved in, like wood pellets, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, so when I came to the, the presentation, you were the presenter, and I felt in the course of that meeting more hopeful than I have ever felt about everything and feeling like it's still very dire and important, but also feeling, I think just, you know, partly being in a group of other people who are also want to make a difference and are doing something and, and not feeling so isolated about it because the thing that I've been doing is like I'm composting and I'm trying to buy less plastic but you know I bought laundry detergent that's powder because it comes in a box. That's such a small thing though that I'm like okay I'm doing this tiny little thing but that's not gonna amount too much unless everybody's doing that and yeah unless the people who are making the products or selling it in more sustainable packaging and stuff and so I would love if you would share you know, some of the things that um, from your presentation and and yeah talking about the the solutions or things that we can do to make an impact yeah would be wonderful to hear so okay first I want to say that we need action at every level. We need the little differences that individuals make, like buying laundry detergent in a box instead of in plastic. We need it at the business level, the community level, the state and the federal level. We need all of it. And so don't discount your your actions. A tiny, tiny efforts. <laughs> they seem tiny, but they're yeah. not. And I want to tell a little story of 
back when Jimmy Carter was president. He was very concerned about the environment. And you may not know this because you're young, but he put solar panels on the White House. Did not know that. Jimmy Carter put solar panels on the White House and then Ronald Reagan, who came directly after him, immediately took them off. Because they didn't look good? He what? said that he called us the tree huggers, I think he called us the tree huggers, won't be happy until the White House looks like a bird house or hmm. a bird nest. I think something like that. It was it's very quotable. Mm-hmm. We should look it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he took them down, which is crazy. But one thing Jimmy Carter did back in the 70s, there was a, a crunch of oil and there were long gasoline lines in certain places. And one of the things he did to save gasoline was he allowed right on red. He allowed people to turn right on red. Before then, if the light was red, you couldn't turn left, you couldn't turn right. And just allowing every person this teeny action instead of waiting for the light to turn green, if no one was coming, they could turn right. It saved, I don't have the figures at the top of my head, but nationwide saved a lot of gasoline. So these tiny actions are all important. So your question was, what can we do, I think? Well, yeah, I guess like the we need all the layers of, you know, what what's making a difference and what can help. And so what are some of, maybe like, yeah, what are some more of those baby steps that if people just want to start getting started, what can they do? And then what, yeah, where does it progress to? What are the next levels? So the people can get involved at the point that they feel that they can maybe handle. um, Because I know for me, it feels really overwhelming and like a lot and and knowing like, okay, just these little, little steps and coming to the meeting and just you know, going at the pace that I can and taking on a, mm-hmm. what I can as I can right. feels good to me rather than I have to immediately, whatever the top thing is, do that. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, you know? right. And so, yeah. yeah, maybe some of the, the things at each tier of helpfulness okay. that people can do. Okay. Well, let me start by explaining that we have every single thing we need to reverse to stop and then reverse global climate change or global warming or global heating. We have it, the technology exists, it's available, it's affordable, it's safe, but we lack political will. So at this time in history, probably the single most important thing you can do is vote for people that understand climate science and probably are willing to implement the Green New Deal. And I do think that most Democrats running now have signed on to the Green New Deal. I'm pretty sure most, if not all, and it's just mm-hmm. not hard to look up. Right. So that is an extremely important thing. Go out and vote. It doesn't cost anything, and you're probably gonna do it anyway. Another thing that people can do, and I want to talk more about this, but is strike. Join join the local strikes. And in April 22nd, which is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, there are going to be big strikes all over the world. And here in this area, it's going to last three days, the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. 
The big day is going to be the 22nd, and we're probably going to be striking in Raleigh. Probably most places are going to be striking in their capitals. Mm -hmm. And there will be some civil disobedience, which you don't have to participate in. But there's a woman named Erica Chenoweth, and she has done research, and it shows that if 3.5% of the population takes action on an issue, that's what creates social change. And we can see that most recently with Hong Kong, the students protesting and the government hitting them with tear gas, but then finally the Chinese government said, okay, you can be free for a little while longer. And in our country, we saw it with gay rights, LGBT, Mm -hmm. pretty recently. Yeah. And so her research is pretty convincing that what we need is people out in the streets. And that's another thing, just keep open to hearing about when those are happening and get out and put your body out there. Just show other people that you care because the more people see that people care about this, the more they think to themselves, oh, well, maybe I should care about this too. And then maybe they'll come out and join us. So that's another very impactful thing that people can do that, again, it doesn't cost any money. Well, yeah, and I was just actually thinking about that driving over here of of the strikes because you had mentioned that in the meeting and I was like, does that make a difference? And then thinking about like, yeah, what if everybody went? What if everything just kind of stopped and shut down and everyone was just at this thing and it's like, well, just being in a group that big of all these people trying to make a change and, the, and then, then that would instigate something. And so... Mm-hmm. Feeling mm-hmm. like, yes, there's power in the numbers and the more people we have. And that just change does start the smallest and just snowballs and builds mm-hmm. to reaching to the government. Mm-hmm. Because that hasn't been where a lot of the change has been coming from right. for these kinds of, of things. Right, right. sadly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 3.5% in North Carolina is less than 400,000 people. If we could get some 360,000 people in Raleigh on April 22nd, even the legislature (laughs) would have to listen to us. They want to get reelected. They would have Mm -hmm. to know that, wow, these people really mean it. And protests can be fun too. We're working on making them a little bit more inclusive, more fun. Yeah. Something to join in on Mm -hmm. for the passersby. Other things that people can do is are the, the simplest of things. It's hard to talk about the crisis, but talk about it. Talk about it with your friends, with your family, to the grocery store checkout. Maybe wear something that people can comment that shows that you're on board with doing something about climate change. Just make it known. Make more people realize, yes, there are some people that really do care about this. And then there are other things that start to affect your daily habits and how you spend your money. A lot of people hear a lot about not eating meat. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problems with meat are animals, even humans, produce methane. And cows that are fed corn to fatten them up produce more methane. So if you can eat 
locally grass-fed cows, you know, maybe you're not making as bad of an impact on the environment as you are if you're eating factory farmed cows that are kept in small pens and produce a lot of methane and and the animals maybe don't live very nice lives anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's a very complicated issue. You you have to search your soul and do the research yourself. I'm mostly a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I try to be a local variant. Mm-hmm. The, the less my, my food travels, mm-hmm. the more green it is, right? Yeah. So if you can eat locally, you can eat seasonally, you're going to have a smaller footprint. It's... It's an ideal, you know, but don't ask me to give up my coffee. (laughs) I'm still going to drink coffee. Mm -hmm. And reducing food waste is huge because if we don't clean our plate or we end up with a spoiled pear, we throw it in the trash often. Some of us compost, but not everybody. Mm -hmm. And if that food goes to a methane, to a landfill that comes out of the landfill as methane. If it's composted, it doesn't become methane as it degrades. And I'm not a chemist. It has to do with anaerobic activity versus aerobic activity. But reducing food waste would help. And it's something that would also save you money. And just a good practice, you know, eat the food that you're going to, that you buy. LED light bulbs are a pretty popular thing that is much easier to do now than it was even six years ago. The bulbs are better, cheaper, and you can save about 25% on your electricity bills if you switch out your light bulbs to LED bulbs. Mm -hmm. They're better than even the fluorescent bulbs, and they do not have mercury. Oh, because, yeah, I knew they they did before, right? Because you had to recycle them properly or no? Mm -mm. Hmm. No. There is so much disinformation and misinformation out there Mm -hmm. about green solutions. Mm -hmm. That is very discouraging as a climate activist because it's not necessary. (laughs) It just, it's just, where is it coming from? I don't know, but... Mm -hmm. No, there's no there's no mercury, or if there is, it's very little. Mm. There's yeah. And do you do they have ones that have the full spectrum of yes. light as well? Because I know a lot of the ones that I see, they're very cool, the like yeah. daylight kind of color, which is great in daylight, but you don't need them in daytime. But then at night, it's like this very cool white. Yeah. Not a warm, cozy color. <laughs> it's not the full spectrum daylight LED bulbs are a little blue, a Mm -hmm. lot blue. Mm -hmm. And you can buy the warm LED lights now. You can buy them all different. I think that is measured in Kelvin. Yeah, I think. And the color that you get, and so you can definitely get the warmer colors. And also, they're available in dimmable. You can buy dimmable LED lights. And the difference is amazing. You'd be surprised how close you can get your hand to an LED light. They don't get hot. They don't get hot. And that's where most of the energy use is mm. coming from, not producing the light, but producing the heat. And so that's an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. And clothes, if clothing, if the clothing industry was a country, it'd be the sixth largest fossil fuel emitter, clothing. And so 
we live in a, a fast fashion world and I myself love fashion. It's really hard for me not to want to buy new clothes all the time. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's probably my single biggest personal struggle in this, mm. but we need to change our attitude about clothing and go back to maybe the way it was more with our grandparents or great-grandparents where they bought quality clothing and they wore it a lot. Mm -hmm. they, they wore it, it lasted, and it didn't become stuff, more stuff in right. the landfill. Well, too, I was just wondering about that this morning, of the clothing, that a lot of them we have these poly blends and stuff rather than maybe just cotton. And I was thinking, it makes sense in my head that cotton would be, you know, decomposed faster than a blend that has plastic in it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I think... I most of the clothes now have polyester yeah, in them as well. Absolutely true. And we're finding that that's microfibers and those microfibers are everywhere. They're in the snow in the Arctic. Oh, wow. Those, yeah, those plastic microfibers. And so it's a complicated issue. We like those fabrics because they're high performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I would tell people to just use to the repair mm -hmm. use repair what you have right. when you do buy more buy super high quality try to buy uh, clothes that are going to last 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 mm -hmm. and try to forget about fashion right well that's <laughs> not one of my struggles like I I rarely buy clothes or spend money on clothes but one of the things that, that I've done is have clothing exchanges with women friends like what a great idea a couple times a year and so I'm constantly getting new clothes that are not new and we're just right. kind of like recycling them and passing them and then too I you know might wear something for a few years even and then put it back in the clothing exchange and someone else gets it and so I have very few clothes that I've actually bought at a store Wow. Which I'm like, oh, that feels good to me, but but it's not one of my struggles. You know, that's oh, not man, I that's wish not I one of the that. things that is hard for me to do. So I'm sure I have my other weaknesses. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's my so. biggest struggle. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the polyesters, those things are difficult to know how to to know how to handle. Um, Patagonia. Oh yeah. He's making more and more of his synthetic clothing out of recycled fibers. Nice. And, and, and they say, his company, his, I don't know his name, but that company says, please send us your old Patagonia clothing. We will recycle it. Nice. And I do believe they give you a credit for it. So it's expensive to buy Patagonia, mm -hmm. but it's great quality. He's a corporation with a conscience. It's a... Uh, yeah. It's B Corp, I think, or I might have that wrong. It's the kind of corporation that has a conscience. They have to work right. for the good of the community and the individual as well as make a profit. Make a profit yeah. isn't the only goal. Right. Yeah, I know I some time ago I either heard a podcast or read something about the starts of Patagonia and that it was never his intention to have a business, or, but he was wanting to change what was there yeah. that was not yeah. working for the environment and the things that he loved to do in nature so right yeah right which is cool yeah 
It's great company. Yeah. My children will tell you they get a lot of Patagonia clothes for gifts. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and I have a cousin who's an artist, Amanda Sage, and she um, makes, has a clothing wear that has, you know, prints of, you know, her paintings printed on them, and they're made from recycled water bottles. Oh, I don't even man, know how that cool. you can do that, but that's wow. what... She's been, and it is mostly a labor of love because they're not making a lot of money from from making them and selling them. But it's you know, it's like well, that's that's, I don't even know how that works, but that's awesome. (laughs) Does she have a website? Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, amandasage.com, or I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, she has some of that stuff too, which is cool. Nice. Just that, yeah, made me think of that. Right. What a great idea. The the three R's is now the five R's. Mm. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Those are the three that I those know. Those were so the now, three. Yeah, now, there's now we have refuse. Mm. Like, really? Do we really need straws, even if they're paper? Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, it, again, yeah. it's a tiny, tiny action. Is this right. one plastic straw going to change right. the trajectory of life on Earth? No. Mm-hmm. But if we all reject these things we don't need, mm-hmm. it'll make a difference. So start by refusing, reduce, reuse, and then repair. If you can repair things, do it. There was a time that's being frugal and thrifty and making do and repairing items. There was a time when that was seen as a character strength. Those those were good things to have. Yeah. And now, I mean, it, part of it's, a lot of it's not our fault because we can't fix things you know if your toaster oven breaks even if it's just the push start button right no i know i tried to reorder a part for mine that and it's like oh, i don't make it anymore have to get a whole new one yeah Ugh. it's insane and it's wrong mm-hmm. but again we can we can vote for people that can change that but yeah repair things I remember reading as a kid some book where they were darning socks. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means or how you do that to darn a sock. And, and to think, too, because for me, socks were, yeah, if you get a hole, you know, throw <laughs> you it away. Hole, right. And you're like, wow, no, not even socks. You're going to re- you're gonna so darn it and, yeah. and, and reuse it. And, yeah, I would love to. I would love to see more of that mm-hmm. happening. Well, and, thankfully, we have YouTube. And I'll bet there's a hundred YouTubes oh, on how to darn socks. <laughs> <I bet laughs> there is. Yeah, it's not something I want to learn, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that would be that would be a useful skill. Mm-hmm. Darning socks, even learning how to repair sweaters if they pull. But I suspect that's all sort of the same. Yeah, I don't know, but skill set so, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Repair your stuff. Mm-hmm. And conserve water. You know, it's not so much about climate change, but in more and more places on the earth, water is becoming scarce. And that's because as the earth warms, warm air holds more water vapor. And so more of the fresh water on our planet is in the atmosphere. That means larger storms, drier dry periods, you know, all that, all that moisture in the air comes down as bigger storms but before the bigger storms we have more droughts 
And so we have less and less fresh water, and then we can add to that the pollution. Sadly, our corporations more and more are being allowed to pollute our fresh waters because of the current administration. Mm-hmm. And so we need to conserve water, even underground water. Underground water, I feel like we take it for granted that it's there and it'll always be there. But that's not true. There are more and more of us pulling water out of the underground water. And Mm -hmm. unless a lot of research is done, you know, multiple wells dug to measure how much water's there, the recovery rate, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's expensive stuff to do. Our freshwater sources underground even are being lessened. And so Mm -hmm. when you can conserve water, because we need to avoid that future problem of not having enough water. Air travel is a big thing, and it's counterintuitive because you want to say, well, the plane is flying anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the difference if you're on it? But if we can avoid air travel, that would save CO2. Evidently, airplanes put out a lot of emissions, and if you can eliminate or cut down your travel sometimes people don't have a choice they Mm -hmm. it's business travel they have to do it I understand that Mm -hmm. there are places that have you can buy offsets in my opinion offsets are almost a shell game you know but there are you'll have to be careful and do a little bit of research but sometimes planting trees can be considered an offset for air travel Mm -hmm. and and my yard needs a lot of trees so if anybody wants to plant a tree they can come over (laughs) um and uh and there are companies that will plant trees you know you buy i don't know a 50 dollar offset for your trip to new york city and and they plant trees for you it's there's a lot of those out there just Mm -hmm. be careful that right that it's not just a shell game Mm-hmm. Um, electric cars are coming on like gangbusters, mm-hmm. and there's going to be cost parity pretty soon. For example, the cost of an electric car is going to be very close to the cost of a gas-fueled vehicle, and they have much fewer moving parts. They're much cheaper to maintain. In a few years, we're going to see a lot more of the recharging stations. The batteries in these cars are getting better. More charging stations charging faster. If you're thinking about getting a car in the next two to three years, I would say strongly consider an electric car, and if not electric, a hybrid. Because these things are doing great. They're coming on. They're just going to be better. Having said that... Mm -hmm. Electric vehicles ultimately aren't going to be the solution for transportation. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we're going to need a lot more mass transit. Mm -hmm. So if you have the opportunity, support mass transit. Mm -hmm. If you get the chance, call or write or email your representatives and say you support this. Because all those cars require a lot of infrastructure, Mm -hmm. roads, Mm -hmm. bridges, maintenance, that mass transit just doesn't require. Mm-hmm. And so it's cheaper for individuals, it's cheaper for our planet, it's just better. In the meeting you shared about a lot of positive things that are happening and changes that are happening, which I felt really encouraged to hear about because I haven't heard about a lot of these things. And so I'd love for you to share what are some of the 
the good things and the progress that's being made towards having a more sustainable society and changing the rise of temperature. Right. Okay, great. A lot of good things are happening, especially in other countries, (laughs) sadly. But one of the things that people say is that well it doesn't matter if we change China's got to change you know China has such a big population when in fact China is changing they they are building coal burning infrastructure that is true but what they're building more of is windmills and solar panels and storage actually far ahead of us in this way and so there's movement in the right direction coming from China also from India, although I'm not as conversant on that issue, but in Europe, almost all the new electricity infrastructure is coming from solar or wind. And they are rapidly making the conversion to clean energy technologies. Solar, wind, and batteries, the, the technology is getting better all the time and it's getting more affordable all the time and so in many parts of the world it's actually cheaper to install windmills than it is to build a coal plant or a nuclear power plant or a fracked gas plant and so it just is a no-brainer that we should be doing these Mm -hmm. we're not but other countries are and that is good news I think for all of us very encouraging yes yeah and batteries. I mean, we have utility-scale batteries. In Florida, they're in the process of building the world's largest utility-scale battery. They're actually shutting down some frack gas plants and building solar plants, solar panel plants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not exactly a plant, because once they're built, right. they're there. They don't need constant input. But... Yes. As we all know, the sun doesn't shine at night, so we need batteries, and it's going to be... Oh, right. To store it up. To store it. And you had some interesting fact about, like, how much can be run from, like, an hour of the sun's energy or something that it's, like, phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's impossible for us to harness, but if we could harness the sun's power, we get more power from the sun in one hour globally then we need to power the Earth's electricity for a year. So that's how strong, oh, yes, that's, yes. that's how strong the wow. sun is. Wow. And, and also the wind too, mm-hmm. and especially offshore wind. Right. Offshore wind's a little more expensive to build because it's offshore, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of wind out there, and we could be harnessing that. And again, there's not, it's not constant input. Mm-hmm. It's, you build the windmill, it does its thing. Mm-hmm. for 20, 25 years or so. And so there's there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. We have the technologies. They are safer and more and more they're cheaper. And so we just have to elect people that know this and will implement this. Mm-hmm. Which brings me actually to the Green New Deal. Yeah, tell, tell us about that. The Green New Deal, let's see, there's a movement called the Sunrise Movement. It's a youth-led organization. It's hilarious to me. You can't be, you can't have a a leadership role in the organization if you're over 35. Nice, nice. But but 
um, they came up with the Green New Deal. It has several focuses. One is clean technology, one is jobs, one is education. Oh, oh, the other one is justice, equity and justice. It really wants to tackle the injustice that is existent in our current economy. Mm. And so the Sunrise Movement brought it to Washington, D.C. Nancy Pelosi wouldn't talk to these kids, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did. And she's sponsoring the Green New Deal. And now many, many other Democratic representatives and senators have signed on to the Green New Deal. It tries to take care of all these problems because they're systemic. The, the injustice and mm-hmm. the pollution and the climate change and the lack of health care and our diminished education system and low-paying jobs... All of these are really the same problem. Yeah. And it gets down to an inequitable economic system. Mm-hmm. And so the Green New Deal handles it sort of all at once instead of nipping at this problem here and mm-hmm. nipping at that problem there. It tr- it's an attempt to take care of the whole system. Mm-hmm. And so while we have the technology, we also have the political process in place. And so it's the thing about the Green New Deal is that it's not a law, it's not an ordinance, it's not a rule. It's a guideline. Think of it as a guideline, or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez calls it a North Star. It's a way to frame the laws that are going to be made. So if we're going to make a law that is not equitable to poor people that law can't pass because it it doesn't work under this framework but if we're going to write a law that retrains coal workers to work fixing windmills say that works under under the green new deal and so it's pretty encompassing i think it's a a wonderful way forward it just needs we just that's all we need is the political will at this point It's, Mm -hmm. it's the only and I have to believe that if our country started taking action, we're big enough and strong enough and influential enough that we could influence other countries as well. And many of the developing countries aren't even buying into a fossil fuel economy. They're skipping right over it and going to the clean technologies. Costa Rica is an example of that. Almost all of their energy comes from wind and solar. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is happening other yeah. places. Yeah, that's encouraging. And too, maybe if you know the rest of the world is doing stuff, it'll put more pressure on the United States to step up and change too. Let's hope so. Yeah. Let's hope so. If we know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the populace has to understand what's really happening. What do you think would be motivating or inspiring to people to have during strikes and demonstrations or mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. humor is a good sales tool and a man named Gary Richards started weekly protests at the UNC co-generation plant are you familiar with the co-gen plant well I've, I've heard that it's okay. there so yeah. yeah 
Most people don't know I lived in Chapel Hill for 17 years and didn't know they had a coal burning plant. Well, I think I heard actually through Katie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. or found out like, oh, I didn't, yeah, this is happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of Climate Realities members decided he was going to protest that on a weekly basis. And it has grown since then. But at Thanksgiving, he dressed up as a turkey. And people loved it. They drove by and honked and waved. Mm -hmm. And then at Christmas, he dressed up as Santa. And he carried a poster that said, Santa doesn't like coal or something. It was pretty funny. It was a play on words with Santa and coal. And people loved it. And he and I were together in a strike in Durham. Everybody was taking his picture and seeing him and laugh. He brought the character, brought a lot of joy mm-hmm. to this protest. And I feel like if people can join our protests, uh, it's, it, it's a scary topic. Climate change is a scary topic. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it is an emergency. And we do have to act fast. We really have a narrow window before we have to change change a lot and change change soon. But if you can come and and contribute a joyful message or a positive message or a mm-hmm. funny message or a costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. An animal costume maybe. Right. We had a Valentine's Day strike and um, the theme was Wombat Love because in Australia, evidently, wombats build very elaborate underground tunnels and they were letting other animals share their tunnels. Normally, they would have chased them out. Mm. Now, who, you know, I don't, it seems that this is true, you mm-hmm. know. What a wonderful thing, you know, what a wonderful. Uh, idea and and thought to share wombat love mm-hmm. on thanks and uh, Valentine's Day. So yeah, just um, I feel like positive posters, you know, like um, I think I said <coughs> to you earlier. Uh, want a job? Support the Green New Deal. You know that kind of messaging affects people. And people can hear that. Maybe Mm -hmm. then they'll understand better what the Green New Deal is. This isn't something that's going to bankrupt our country. This is something that's going to build the economy. Mm -hmm. Is it big? Yes, it's a big idea. And it would take a lot of work and concentration and commitment. Well, a lot of work is a lot of jobs. That's right. So That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Bringing in the joy and enthusiasm because even if it's a heavy topic and I think it's urgent... Having it be fun and the excitement of it mm-hmm. is, yeah, adds that group energy that just right. builds out and expands and inspires and right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything else that you would like to share or say? Well, there's probably hundreds of things I could say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I'm not limited in this in this conversation. I I just have a lot, but. There's so much misinformation that goes out that it's, it's because the wealthy oil companies are spending a lot of money on paying off politicians and advertisements on TV, and they're paying scientists to write books on misinformation. 
I just would ask people to be aware that that is happening and be careful of your sources you know mm-hmm. be very careful of of your right. sources mm-hmm. things you read and and become involved you know we need you the movement needs you and whether you act small whether you mm-hmm. buy detergent in a box stop flying buy an electric car mm-hmm. put on solar panels mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> both Raleigh candidates supporting the Green New Deal yeah <laughs> start a new climate group you know Mm -hmm. we need all of it we need absolutely everyone doing everything Mm -hmm. or at least what you can do I know people are busy in this day and age and and it's tough you know it's really tough but be aware and do what you can yeah and I would definitely recommend anyone going to the meeting at the library that's happening once a month because it's right there at the library in Chapel Hill. Yeah. It's easy to get to. Yeah. You probably know where it is. Yeah. And it's free and it's very informative and encouraging and then you learn about all the steps or things that are happening and going on mm-hmm. and I just felt really hopeful and inspired. So I would encourage people to do that and the April 22nd Earth Day extravaganza <laughs> sounds really exciting too you know Rachel we didn't talk about climate reality oh we didn't no uh, we need to talk about it. we need to talk about it yeah climate reality is Al Gore's group and Al Gore has trained 20,000 plus volunteers he holds these trainings in different parts of the world in different parts of the country I've been to two of them mm. one was in Pittsburgh one was in Minneapolis and it's three days free. He even provides a vegan lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's going to be one at the end of June and the beginning of July here in Raleigh. So please be advised, keep an ear out for climate reality training. But the group I'm part of is Climate Reality Project Orange County Chapter. And we go by CROC, which is C-R-O-C-C. And we hold the monthly meetings. And that's how you and I know each other and those are usually pretty informative I try we try to get very good speakers this month March we're going to have a couple people from the Southern Environmental Law Center and this is a group of attorneys that are very busy these days Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of all the EPA regulations being undone and the EPA being they're losing their funding and so they're busy their work is critical for us to have clean air clean water so you can come out and hear about that our April speaker is going to be talking about things that people can do to participate in the movement we have speakers lined up but they're really good we also have a a book group all right yeah Yeah, we read a book once a month and then get together and talk about it and usually the talk goes beyond that book but it's always interesting Mm -hmm. we have some really provocative interesting conversations and I'm trying to think what other things we do we write letters to the governor mostly concentrating on the frack gas issue. We can't be expanding fracked gas infrastructure. We cannot be building pipelines. Mm -hmm. If we do, we're going to exceed our carbon budget. We need to be building solar panels and Mm -hmm. windmills and utility scale batteries. 
So there's always other things that we're involved in, strikes and protests, our Friday protests in front of the UNC coal plant. There's, there's a lot of ways to get involved. And if you have something that you would like to spearhead, you can come see us. Maybe we can help you do that. You can be the leader of it and we can be your workforce, maybe. If you have an idea, mm -hmm. we'd love to hear it. Awesome. That's that's Croc. That's Climate Reality, Orange County. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of things that I will make sure I have all the information correctly and put it in the show notes and post it so people can have access to and know when all the things are happening and do whatever things that they feel called to take part of. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, a lot of ways to get involved. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel very excited about finding out about this chapter. I didn't know this was even happening here, that there was people that I could join and that were doing things and there was already this structure in place mm -hmm. that, you know, I could just hop in as well and join, <laughs> which is really nice. Yeah, it's a yeah. nice way to put it. Mm -hmm. Hop in. Yeah. Yeah, is there anything else that you... I think we covered a lot. We did cover a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's been fun to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so I was so happy when you when you agreed since you hadn't actually met me. I just was impressed with you and your presentation. I was like, Oh, oh I wanna have her. So oh. I was really happy when you said yes. Oh. So yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much. It means mm -hmm. a lot to me. Keeps me going. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. listening to this week's episode of I'm Excited About with Kim Parachi. I'm Rachel Gray, and in the show notes, you can find a lot of information about meetings and things that you can do to get involved in, starting with just baby steps or even more, as much as you feel able and wanting to do. 